I've been praying for the new year, as I know that you've been praying for Friendship Church for the new year. Yes? You've been praying for your church? Um, I've been praying a lot, and one of the things that I have been praying for uh, is that we are not a church that is just about ourselves, okay? We're not a us for and no more type of a church, right? Okay? That we know that there is a big God doing big things everywhere, and so we want to reach people across the street and across the world, and so uh, that's what we want to do. That's our heart um, and so the first day of the new year, where sometimes we talk about what we are going to do, you know, as far as us, what's going to happen, um, I want to take a look at what's, what God is doing outside and, and kind of remind us that there is a big God doing big things. And so we have invited um, Kenan and Amanda Briggs, Missionaries to Greece, to come speak to us here today. You knew our first missionary would be from Europe, right? I mean, that's where our heart is. Uh, and you just knew that. That's just that's what was going to happen. And so these have been great friends of ours from South Texas. They're one of the South Texas missionaries. Come on. Um, we were uh, at MTMR together, learning how to do stuff uh, together several years ago. Uh, we, we were able to go. Obviously, we were in the Netherlands. They were in Greece. We didn't get to see them all the time. But there were a few times that uh, we would get together, missionaries would get together at different places and so uh, we got to have a meal together and have some good stuff. We uh, walked for uh, that five-mile boardwalk in Malaga, Spain, I believe, and talked about life and God and church and sports. And I don't know. It's a long walk, right? Our feet hurt when we got back, but it was fantastic time together. You are going to love these people. We love them so much. They have a heart for the Lord. They want to see people come to the Lord fiercely. Um, and so I'm excited to have them as our, as our first missionary and as our first um, uh, speaking here in the new year. And so would you give a big welcome to Kenan and Amanda Briggs. Good morning. It is so great to be here with you this morning. This is our son, Carter. He normally hangs out with the kids, but today he wanted to be with the adults. Did you want to you say anything? Okay. Anything else? He said, good morning. We live in Greece. <laughs> in, in Greek. In Greek. Yeah, that was Greek. A little mumbled, but he's our, he's our number one Greek speaker. And we're grateful for him because he helps us translate all the time. <laughs> um, we are the Briggs family, as Pastor Adam mentioned. My name's Amanda. This is Kenan. This is our oldest, Carter. We have a little girl, Addie. She's almost six. And our littlest, Chloe, Greek-born baby, um, she is 20 months, almost two. And we're really grateful to be here this morning. As Adam mentioned, we um, are great friends with the Fifth Ends. We're so grateful for their friendship, our time with them. Becky has literally watched our middle child, Addie, grow up. Um, yeah, I'm going to get a little teary, but we love you guys, and we're so grateful to be here. Um, just want to tell you a little bit about our family. Kenan and I met on the university campus at Sam Houston State, um, gosh, 15 years ago. And um, we were a part of a ministry called Chi Alpha. Chi Alpha is um, university ministry on secular campuses, and it was through Chi Alpha that we just really learned how to have a devotional life. Um, we had small group leaders who cared more about our connection with God than, than we did, and they taught us how to love Jesus with our mind and love Jesus with um, the knowledge that he's given us, and we just learned to be responsible for what we know, that what God's done in us, he want to do through us. Um, through Chi Alpha, we were exposed to overseas mission trips, um, and it was on one of those mission trips that God 
um, put a call on our life to spend a career in missions. And Kenan's going to tell you a little bit more about that. Yeah, so <laughs> I didn't know how she was transitioning us this morning. But um, yeah, on that short-term trip to, to Greece, really the Lord began to just stir our hearts about uh, potentially living overseas and about giving maybe not just a year of our life, but the rest of our lives to Greece. And so we said yes in the small thing and ended up giving one year of our, our life overseas to Greece. And then while we were there, the Lord just began to stir things in our heart. And we came back to Texas, had a couple more kids, and then shortly after the Lord began to speak to us again and put things in our lives and people in our lives that just continued to challenge us. And so we ended up uh, back in Greece and that's why we're here today. Um, <clears throat> we hope to be able to, I'm going to tell you here in a minute, a little more about what we're doing and, and, and challenge you hopefully this morning with, with how you can look at, even if you're not an overseas missionary, to do the things that God has put in front of you, right? So we'll do that this morning. Thank you guys for being up here. If you want to go ahead and you can uh, turn in your Bibles to Mark 8, 35. Um, Pastor Adam, thank you so much. This is such a privilege. Um, I don't take this lightly this morning. Um, I don't take any Sunday lightly, but th especially this one. Um, Pastor was telling me a little bit and um, was telling me that they had y'all haven't really had any guest speakers. And so I thought, well, that's kind of cool. And then he said, yeah, and, and you're the first one. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So he's like, so, so don't mess it up, okay? And I was like, okay, so this is serious. Not that it wasn't serious before, but with all of that set up, I feel like this morning that, um, that the Lord really does want to do something special. Not just because he put pressure on me, but because the Lord is with us this morning. Amen. Mark 8.35, if you have it this morning, one scripture says this, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Read it one more time. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Let's pray this morning. Jesus, we just invite you again, Lord. You're already here, but we ask you once again, Lord, to make room. We, we make room for, for, for you in our hearts today, God. We pray, Jesus, that, that we would hear your word this morning, God. And that you would speak to our hearts, Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. If you saw in that video, um, my wife and I are missionaries uh, in Europe. And um, Europe is, is um, a place that's been around for quite a while, okay? It's a little bit older than the U.S., if you haven't noticed. Um, and so there are many challenges there. And I want to talk to you about some of those this morning. I mean, I also want to tell you a couple of stories and, and tell you about more in detail about how the Lord called us overseas. Um, but essentially, the scripture that we're looking at this morning is where we're going. And Jesus is speaking here to a group of individuals that had asked to see Jesus. They're actually Greeks. I didn't pick that intentionally. Um, Europe actually helped us with this idea of this lose yourself campaign. And we'll talk about that. But the scripture in particular, Jesus is speaking. And he's saying that if you want to save your life, you actually have to do the opposite of what you think. It's not about storing up things. It's not about doing the best things. It's not about acquiring the most amount of wealth. It's about actually losing yourself in Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying. And he's asking us this fundamental question, are you willing to lose yourself for the gospel? Are you willing to lose yourself for me and for the gospel? 
And we can do that this morning. The first thing we want to look at is losing assumptions. Losing assumptions. Assumptions are not evil things. They're things that help keep us uh, in line. Um, But do you know how the way that you can tell if you have an assumption about something? It's, it's, um, It's when your assumption is not met. It's when what you think something uh, should be like is not the way that it is. Has anybody ever uh, assumed something about you and then they found out it wasn't true? (laughs) Or maybe somebody, you've assumed something about someone you've waited in line for a really long time and you get up to the front to order and they don't have your favorite food. Isn't that terrible? Right? When we got back from from overseas, we were so excited because Greece had one drive-thru. We had one place we could go through the drive-thru. You know what it was? You could probably guess. Our friends here guess. It's McDonald's, okay? It's my kid's absolute favorite restaurant. You know America is the land of fast food? And you know the only thing they ever want is McDonald's still. <laughs> like there's so many more places. There's so many better places. Real food. Not pre-processed food. And and there's nothing like when we got back from overseas and we get through all of these lines and then luckily it's gotten better. But you pull up all the way after waiting and you get there and they say, I'm so sorry. Thank you for coming to Chick-fil-A. We're out of chicken. And you're like, what are you, what are you talking about? How can you be out of chicken? Assumptions. My aunt told me a story. She was in a store once and she was shopping. And a lady came up and said, hey, these, these pair of jeans, do you have them in a smaller size? And she said, I, I think so. And she said, uh, oh, awesome. Okay, do you know where the fitting room is? And she said, I think it's, it's around the corner. She said, okay, perfect. That, nothing weird about that. A guy walks over immediately and says, hey, I was noticing two aisles over this product that you had. Do you, it's empty. Do you all have any more in the back? All of a sudden, she realized something's going on. What's the deal? I thought people were just being friendly today. And then she looked down. She's wearing a red polo shirt tucked into khaki pants, and she's standing in the middle of Target. People were assuming she was an employee there. As I mentioned, assumptions, not inherently evil, but they do create within us presuppositions or thoughts that can lead us to think in certain directions or certain areas. Um, Assumptions affect the way that we think. And if your assumption isn't right, then the way that you think about that thing or that person or that place is actually not right either. Does that make sense? There's some assumptions that can be made about where we live in Europe. Um, Maybe that it's not a mission field. After all, we've had a lot of people come through there that were pretty influential. Martin Luther was there. Um, The Reformation happened there. Um, There was a little guy that, well, he was born of Tarsus. His name was Saul at one time and later changed his name to Paul. He was there in Europe for a while. There's churches on every corner. The gospel has been presented in the past. It's already Christian. And honestly, you see cathedrals everywhere. But the problem that we have found since living in Adam and Becky could tell you this is that you can see cathedrals on every corner, but it doesn't mean that there's people inside of them. Most of them function more as a museum than they do as a house of worship. And what we found is that this overwhelming story of people who have lived overseas and have come in contact with people and they begin to share their faith with them and they begin to share the good news and the same story happens in Spain, in France, in the Netherlands, in Greece where we hear this same response, why has no one ever told me this before? And you think you see a church on every corner, how do you, how do you not know? 
And the problem is, is that the good news is not being presented. And what's happened is religion has taken the place of a relationship with God. And people aren't close to God because they see God as something of the past. And if anything, they go to their church or their synagogue just to get through the religious checkbox. to saying, well, at least maybe God won't give me bad voodoo or something if I go and I show up and I, and I go to Easter service. And that way my grandparents will stop asking me. That's how it is for us. We've, just, we've determined in Greece is that the older generation will go every once in a while. The middle-aged generation will go maybe two or three times per year. And the younger generations will usually go around Christmas and that's about it. And the only reason they go is because what we've heard from everybody is they say, I don't want my grandparents to be mad at me. So I go to their service. Little fun fact, they all live in the same apartment, so they kind of have to go. So <laughs> We found this out when we moved overseas. I'm not going to inundate you with a bunch of stats, but that about 3% of Greeks actually attend church, and about half a percent of those are evangelical, meaning they'll share their faith with other believers. I have some friends here this morning. Um, that are getting ready to go overseas on their first term, and um, you don't even know who they are. That's a, or maybe you do, but they're here this morning, and I'm very happy that they're here. But they're going to, um, they could tell you that the country that they're going to, um, there's people like this that, that don't attend church. There's people that are completely lost, the people that have never heard the good news. And so what is our response this morning? What is our response? What, is our, what, are, what are we supposed to do with this news, with these, these stats? These stats don't really do much for us. They're kind of alarming, but they don't get us to a place where we actually do anything. And, and on a short-term trip to Greece, as Amanda mentioned this morning, um, we, we, came and went to, we went to Athens, and um, we took a team of Chi Alpha students, and we went uh, on the university campus, and we invited people to come back to a Texas night. Um, we wanted to teach them about the greatest country in the world, which is Texas, and so we did that. <laughs> I don't know if I get an amen or a yeehaw after that, but um, so we, <laughs> both. So we we invited these friends back, and and we lived life with them together for a week, and shared stories, and and it was just an amazing time. And on the last night, uh, um, we basically had an opportunity through a question that a friend asked one of the Greek friends, and just to present the gospel, just to talk about choices that we make and why we're choosing Jesus and and what God has done in our life. And at the end of it, he turns and he's talking to his friends and he turns back and says, man, you guys have wrecked us. You've, You've ruined the way that we think now. And we're like, what do you mean? And he said, we've never heard this message before. And how are we supposed to live this way unless you're here to show us how to do it? We've, we've never even met anybody that lives this way. And that began to stir our hearts about people that have been around church or people that, that, that just don't have this proper presentation. Or maybe they've heard it before, but they're not living for Jesus. And so as, I was, as we began to, to process and, and to think about what you know, our friend was saying to us, we realized that we had a responsibility, um, not only just to, to live good lives for Jesus and not only just to live the way that we should, but we have a right to tell people to, about Jesus. We have a responsibility. Each and every one of us has the good news inside of us. It's, it's such a tragedy that, that there's so many countries across the world that have never heard the good news. 
That there's so many people across the world that, that don't have access to the gospel. There's the, that there's these people, that there's these groups that are that never reached. I mean, I didn't even know that was a, a thing, that there's the never reached. They've never ever in their generations heard the gospel. And we got people that are taking the good news there. That's the hope that we have. 2022. It's a new year. It's the start of the year. Hopefully you're up to date on your Bible reading. You've only missed one day if you haven't. It's day two. (laughs) So get in it. But 2022 can look exactly like your 2021. And it can look like your 2020. 2020 was the year of vision, right? 2020 vision. It was the perfect title. Hopefully you preached on that in some capacity. (laughs) And 2020 was a year of, uh, of, uh, of changes and just things we never would have seen coming. Maybe we had assumptions about the year 2020. And they didn't get met. And then 2021 rolled around. And, and maybe those assumptions didn't get met either. But 2022 can be a year that, that changes everything if we're willing to be full of the Spirit. If we're willing to allow what we read in our Bibles each day to affect our lives. And not just be something that we consume. But that's something that God wants to do through us. It's not just about the receiving of it. That's great. That's what we need. We need that, that sustenance for life. But we should be taking the things that we're learning in the Bible and telling others about it. Amen? We have to be. Losing ourselves, this, this thing, it's, it's kind of an easy thing in principle, but the enemy actually does a couple of things. He distorts our view. And one way he does it is through self-hatred. He wants us to believe that we're worthless, that we have no value. That there's nothing that you can do that will ever get you in right standing with God. And that's a lie from the enemy. I mean, there's a, there's a truth to that, okay? There's nothing that you've done. It's God's grace. But what I'm saying is that God's created you because he loves you. He's chosen you. He's got a plan for you. And, 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 and the, another way that the, animal, the enemy tries to distort us is by us not taking this challenge seriously. We delude or ignore the call of Jesus to deny ourselves and we become obsessed with ourself and we try to work on our self-fulfillment and our self-actualization and our self-esteem and our desire is for self-discovery. How many of you have heard some of these words before? <laughs> it's our society, right? Uh, our desire for self-discovery is based on our beliefs and our rights that are our identity. And we have made synonymous our identity with the way that we think. And there's a problem with that. It's because there's all kind of evil thoughts that are in our head, okay? And the enemy is always pulling. He's always trying to pull away, pull you away or bend your will towards evil and not towards God. And what happens is, is that when we allow our thoughts and our mind and our heart to be overwhelmed by evil and the anxiety and, and the stresses of life, and we live in that place so long, we believe the lie of the enemy more than we believe the truth in the Bible. And the enemy will wants you to stay there. 
He wants you to think that you have no value, that you have no worth, that your purpose in life is just to live a life of anxiety, that your purpose in life is just to live a life of fear, to be confused all of the time and never know what God has created you to be. But the Bible says the opposite, that you were created in the image of God, that when you were in your mother's womb, that God already knew you, that he had a plan for your life, and it's a good plan, not of evil, but to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future, that God's plan for you is bigger than anything that you can see right now. And the problem that I've found about assumptions is that a lot of times when, when the assumption is not what we think, we think that we failed God in some way. We think that we've not lived up to the place that we should. And when changes happen and when, and when things of life, when they just go unexpected, all of a sudden we think we've missed the call of God. But if you're staying in God's word and you're speaking to him and you're asking him to speak to your heart, then you're in the place that you need to be. And it doesn't matter what you're outside, the changes that are going on, the, the, the things that are affecting your life. Those things, I mean, they're important, but they don't, they don't determine who you are. And if you're close to Jesus, then Jesus has you right where you should be. Point number two this morning is that we need to lose our expectations. Lose our expectations. Expectations are similar to assumptions. They're not evil. They give us a parameter by which we can measure. They're often healthy things that we need in our life. But unmet expectations like assumptions can actually be the thief of progress. And this is what I found to be so true. With, with, with expectations, what we expect something to happen or we expect God to do something, um, what we do a lot of times is we play the game of cross comparison. No one's ever done this. I know no one's ever done this. But what happens is, is you're doing what God has asked you to do. And someone else is doing what God has asked them to do. And somewhere in that path, because we're humans, because we're flawed, we begin to look at our friend and see what they're doing. And all of a sudden, they're a little bit farther ahead in what they're doing than what we're doing. Right? Their church is growing a little bit faster. Their youth group is, is a little bit more energetic. Their Sunday school classes are a little bit more filled. My neighbor's uh, making a little bit more money than me, or whatever it is. And all of a sudden, what we began to do is we began to play the game of cross-comparison, and we die a thousand deaths because we never meet their expectation. But the problem is, is that God hasn't called us to meet their expectation. God has called us to do what he's asked us to do to stay in the lane that God has placed us in, and not to be confused. I mean, you can use them as, as a guide. You can use them, and you can be strengthened by that. But when we, the, the bad thing is, is when we begin to think that we're not making it because we're playing the game of comparison. And that's a dangerous game to play because you're never going to win it. We found so many people in Europe since we've lived there um, that do this, and, and the problem with, that we found with people in Europe is that they, they don't serve God. They serve the God of self. They serve the God of secularism. Secular, uh, not a, I've had some people ask me about this before. Uh, it doesn't, I'm not just talking about secular music, because that's the, kind of the only thing you think about when you hear the word secular, or secular college. But what I'm talking about is a worldview or the way of life in which God is not the center of your life. 
As a believer, God should be the center of what all of our thoughts and everything and all of our emotions are coming through. Um, but the problem that we found with so many people in Europe is that years and years of religion and years and years of what started as good Christianity, the Apostle Paul, hello, Acts uh, 16, Macedonia, Paul and Silas, the prison shaking thing. You remember that story? I mean, hello, there's so many churches that have been planted throughout the years. But the problem is, is that people have just pus- pushed uh, uh, Christianity to the side. They pushed God to the side or to the outside of their worldview and their self has taken over. And so people live with self as center and their, their, their hope and expectation in life is just to be a good person. But the problem is, is what, how do you judge yourself on if you're good or not? You're probably good compared to the worst, you know, serial killer in the world. Great, you're doing well. You've only killed three people this year. You know, what are you judging here? What are you using to judge yourself by? <laughs> but the, the thing that we have to focus on as individuals, as believers, is that we have to rid secularism out of ourselves if we're going to reach secular people. So many times we've, we've allowed other things to take the place of where God should be. And, and, and God is not the center of our heart anymore and and maybe years ago we were in church and and God was speaking to us but we've we found ourselves going through the motions and and going through the things of life and all of a sudden we're we've realized that we're not actually living with God as the center of our hearts and we have to be able to lose ourselves completely in Jesus we need to come to grips with our own self-centeredness we even need to perhaps leave our safe and successful and preferred Christian communities for something that's very different from what we know. Perhaps God will call you eventually, maybe one day, to overseas missions. And when we look beyond ourselves and we can focus on Jesus, we see that in Jesus we have so much more to offer than what we could ever do without him. When God is with us, our friend says it this way, that one person plus God is always the majority. So no matter where you go, no matter how difficult the place, if you have Jesus with you, you are always the majority. You always have home court advantage. Jesus promised us that if we seek, we will find him. And if we lose ourselves in Jesus, we will see the extent of, of fruit that we're willing to lose ourselves to him in. And, and Jesus promised that, that, if, that if we're faithful to him, that he's going to provide for us. <laughs> That's the good news, that Jesus is going to provide. It's not always in the amount of people. It's not always in the growth of, of, um, of counting numbers or anything like that. But Jesus will be faithful to us, and he will keep us close to him. Um, I'm going to tell you a story. We, I already told you the, the short-term story trip, but my wife and I, we actually took a team uh, of six of us, and we went overseas um, right after we got married. So we graduated from college. My wife did an internship with Chi Alpha, and then um, right after that, uh, we got married, and then we went overseas, and there was a team of us. We had our first anniversary in Greece um, because... Uh, Greece has a million islands next to it. You can get on a ferry, and for like 20 bucks, you can go to an island. 
And so I was very romantic. I took my wife to an island for our first anniversary. Here we go, a Greek island at that. It wasn't the greatest one, but it was great, okay? Our second one, our, some of our family sent us some funds, and we actually went to the island of Santorini, which is amazing. I don't have any pictures of it because I don't want you to be jealous. But we actually went there. And so we had two anniversaries in Greece, and then... Um, so we did a year and we actually did a year and a half in Greece, and so two anniversaries there. Our third one, I set the bar pretty high for myself. Greek island, a better Greek island. The third one, I think we went to Galveston. So it's kind of like an island. It is an island, actually. It's, it's a little different. If you've ever been to Greece or seen Greek beaches, just Google it. Be- Greek beaches, they're beautiful, like blue water. It's everything. Galveston, don't Google it, okay? Don't go there. Don't expect it. I set the bar too high for myself. And, and then it just went down here. I won't tell you the rest of this. It was like Houston and then, you know, Huntsville and then, anyway, you know. <laughs> but we, we, when we were overseas, we, we saw such fruit. And um, we, we actually went on campus. And we were just uh, at a Chi Alpha event um, literally until last night. And so... Uh, we were in Dallas this week. There was about 2,000 students gathered um, at the Sheraton Hotel, and we were worshiping, and I was able to help out with worship, and it was great in the ballroom there. It's got a bit of a suspension floor, and so all these 2,000 students were jumping, and the stage was literally shaking, so it was like I was dancing, and I wasn't even trying to, um, but it was great. The Lord was with us. There were so many people that got filled with the Spirit, and there were salvations that happened. It was an amazing time. I don't know any of the numbers, but the Lord was with us, and it was just reminding me of all the things that God has done in our heart while we were there. We saw so many friends, and like this morning, seeing our friends here, and when we went there to Greece um, years ago, we had a campus pastor come, and he said, hey, what do you think about passing out coffee on campus? And we said, let's do it. So we went on, a, on campus, and the Greek campuses, they all speak Greek, okay? And so if you're wondering, it's not Spanish, it's Greek. Um, <laughs> and so we were out on campus, and we're passing out these coffees to go. And we're meeting people, and we're just really having a good time. And uh, I'll just tell you one story. A girl came up to us and, and was like, uh, you know, we, we passed out coffee to go, and then we had these little flyers for a Bible study. And she's like, hey, a Bible study, I'm actually, uh, I've been looking through all the world religions, and She's Greek, and she's like, um, I, you know, I, I, I'm kind of like making my way through everything, and um, do you mind if I come to your study? And we're like, that's, yeah, that's great. And her name was Constantina, and so she, she came to our study that night, and we got in like these little, or actually right before she brought me a list of songs on her phone, and she said, hey, do you know any of these worship songs? And I grew up in an AG church, so I'm like, I know every song, okay? I know every worship song. I know the ones from the 20s. I know, I know all of them. So yeah, I can do it. And I, like, didn't know a single song. So I'm scrolling through all of these songs. I'm like, man, I don't know any of these. I was like, can you just show me where you got these from? She's like, yeah. And it's a, it was, a, like, a hymnal book from the Book of Mormon. I mean, from the, the Mormon church. I was like, oh, no wonder I don't know any of these songs. Like, Joseph Smith is our way maker. And I was like, you know. <laughs> didn't know any of them. But she, she sat there that day. And... Uh, we later understood that she was actually just in this searching period. And she listened to us speak, and we got in a small group, and we started talking. And, and after a few weeks, Dina 
started saying, you know, when you talk about Jesus, you know, I've been reading about Buddha and he does this and I was reading about Hinduism. And it's like this. But when you talk about Jesus, it does something in my heart when you speak. And and it's like you talk about God like he's actually here. When I read about Buddha, I think about what he did. And, and when I read about Hinduism, I think about the old when it started. But when you talk about Jesus, you act like he's here right now. And we're like, Constantina, he's here with us. And he's, he, he, he wants you to know that he loves you. And, and we just share the love of Jesus with her. And shortly after that, Dina gave her life to Jesus. She gave her life to Jesus. And right before we left Greece, we actually got to baptize her. My wife did. And we... We didn't have, our church didn't have like a trough or a, I mean, a baptismal, and we didn't have troughs available. So we're like, we live in the land of beaches. There's, there's Greek beaches everywhere. And the weather was kind of like it was yesterday. Like it was warm. And so we're like, let's go and have a beach service. So we're like, that's great. So we planned it the next day. And then literally like today, the weather dropped like 40 degrees. It was in the like low 40s, high 30s. So we're like freezing on the beach. We go out there and we watch the video back. I thought we were so brave because we're in like knee-deep water. And poor Dina, she got all the way dunked in that water, but she didn't die. So, <laughs> but I tell you that to tell you that, you know, she heard the good news and, and realized she had a response to it. Um, and... Dina is actually still loving Jesus today. She married a, an American guy that was on a short-term team there. And now her and her pastor, husband are pastors uh, somewhere up north in, I don't remember what state. But there, she's loving Jesus still. Because she found out about the good news about Jesus. And the Lord just began to burden something in our hearts. And um, I'm just going to conclude with this story this morning, but... Um, when we moved back to Greece this last time, uh, we ended up pastoring an international church. Our heart is university ministry and Greek people, and I was pastoring a church, um, and, and the, the Lord was, was really using us and was, was challenging us, and, um, but I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. <laughs> um, I was being faithful, and I, there was a need, and so I was meeting the need, but the Lord I was praying to the Lord, and I was saying, Lord, I, there's the Greek people that need to hear the good news. And because of the way the church was operating, I, just, I wasn't having time to really spend with Greek people. And this spring happened, and we just were heading back. You know, we were planning to come back and to raise funds, and so we just didn't know what it was going to look like. And, and luckily, the Lord, he sent another missionary family there, and they actually took the church. And we just were able to transition it over right before we left. And we were just thinking, Lord, this is so great. The timing's perfect. And now we can get back to what we started, even though we're leaving now. So how do we do that? So we decided to meet with the National Assemblies of God Greek Church. Now, it's been around since the 1960s. It was actually started by an Assemblies of God world missionary, a single woman that went to Greece. She started the church. And her and she married a Greek man. They became the pastors of the church. And the current pastor of the Greek church was a little kid in that church. His parents got saved under her ministry, her and her husband's ministry. So he's still a part of that original lineage. And we decided to meet with them. And their church is small. And when I mean small, I mean like this row right here is small. Like it's the family plus two other people. Okay, there's seven people in the church now. 
And we decided to meet with them, and we just began to share with them our hearts. And we shared the story about, like, that short-term trip and about Dina and just all these stories. And at the end of it, the Lord was with us, and we just said, I, you know, I don't know what you guys are thinking, but we'd love to help you reach Greek people. And we'd love to partner with you guys and to be able to help in some capacity. And all of a sudden, the pastor just begins to have tears running down his face. And his daughter, is, she has tears running down her face. And his wife, they're all crying. And he just begins to speak. And he said, for 25 years, I have been praying for help. Since I became the pastor of this church, he's like, I didn't even want the church. But I was the only person that stepped up. And so I became the pastor. And, and we're just not reaching our people. And for 25 years, I've been asking God for help. And I didn't know where to look. And now you're sitting in my living room and you came all the way from Texas and you're here telling me that you want to help me. And he said, not only yes, but you're, you're an answer to prayer. You're an answer to prayer. You're right in the middle of where you should be. And we realized in that moment that why God had called us to Greece, not that that was the, the only thing, but that was another piece of the puzzle for us. And we just began to be so burdened for the Greek people all over again. Um, the interesting thing about the scripture that we started with um, and what we're going back to do and we have to continually do is lose ourselves. But actually Jesus promises is that the self-abandonment, which is essentially what he's asking us to, actually leads us to self-fulfillment. The last scripture, I'm going to just show you this and close this morning, is Mark 10. It's the, it's the last part of the the scripture that Jesus is telling here. And he says, Truly I tell you that no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or friends for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus promises us that if you will lay down yourself, that if you will lose yourself in order that you can find Jesus, and if you can lose yourself in order that you can bring the good news to others, if you lose yourself in order that you can live this life of complete abandonment to Jesus, that he promises that he will give a hundred times as much to you back. And not only that, but eternal life, which is to come. What Jesus is saying is that there is a direct link between self-sacrifice and fulfillment in him. That if we are willing to lose ourselves and lay down our rights and lay down our identity and lay down our purpose and lay down all of those things so that Jesus can be glorified, that he will promise us eternal life. He will promise us fulfillment in him. Whoever wants to lose their life, save their life, will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So how do we respond this morning as I conclude? How do we respond? Well, your church, family, your friends, your city, your state need people that are gospel-driven. Your your. your Surround your people that God has placed in your life. They need people who are abandoned to everything else and that are, are living dead to self and alive in Jesus. They need people who are full of hope of the gospel. And so this morning what I want to do is I just want to take a second to evaluate where we are in Jesus. And are we living a life of abandonment in him? Are we living like Jesus is the center of everything that we do?
It doesn't mean that you have to go overseas to discover your, your, your call. It doesn't mean you have to go overseas. It doesn't mean you have to even travel outside of Richmond, okay? You can stay right here. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you leave with me this morning. <laughs> but you can come visit. But God has placed his spirit on each and every one of you. And God has given you a purpose. But the way that we discover that purpose and the way that we live in fulfillment to him is to be living dead to self and alive in him. We have to be consider that nothing in this world, whether it's homes, whether it's brothers, whether it's sisters, whether it's family, it is, can get in the way, and, I'm, and I mean that lovingly. I don't mean that as, as a mean thing, but what I'm saying is that God's plan and God's purpose for our life has to be supreme. In our relationship with him, nothing can hinder it. Not an amount of money, not an amount of, of wealth or, or things that we can accumulate or status that we can grow into or popularity. None of those things can get in the way of, of our relationship with God. Otherwise, we get distorted, and Satan has us believing lies. It can't happen. I think what it means for us today is that we really have to begin to share the good news. We found this to be true. You don't, you don't actually become a missionary when you fly over. There's nothing magic on the plane. I, I mean, I, maybe I thought this the first time. Adam could tell you. There's no switch in there. It's not like you, you've landed in the Netherlands. Here's the switch now. Whoop, you're a missionary officially. Oh, I feel so different now. I'm ready to share the good news. That's not the way it happens. If you're not already doing it now, you're not going to do it over there. And it's actually going to be harder with language barrier and cultural barriers and all those things. But what I'd love for you to do is to, to be able to pray for those that are going through that. For those that are going through language barrier, culture barrier. So anytime a missionary comes... Of course, we campaign for you to come by our table, but the reason is we want to connect with you. We'd love for you to hear our hearts, but we want you to also take our prayer card with us as a reminder to pray that when you leave, that you can see us and remember our face and remember to pray for the Greek people. But for you this morning, we need to reevaluate our loyalty to God. So if you'll bow your head with me this morning. Maybe you've been following the crowd or maybe you've been Christian your whole life. But I just want you to take a second this morning to evaluate and say, God, is there anything in me that's not submitted to you? Is there anything that's, that's kind of getting in the way? It's, it's causing friction with what you have for me? Is there anything that's going on that's causing me to play the game of cross comparison? Am I losing the... the in, in the game of life because I, I, I've got unmet expectations or unmet assumptions. We have to completely lose all of those things if we want to find ourselves in Jesus. I'm going to pray for you this morning and I don't, Pastor, I don't know how you guys typically respond. But I think it would be appropriate if maybe we can find a place of prayer today and just begin to ask God. I know these altars are up here and your chair is a great place too, but maybe we can spend a few minutes this morning as they play and we can just say, God, is there anything that's hindering me? Is there anything that's keeping me from this complete fulfillment in you? 
whether it's things I've acquired, maybe it's family, maybe it's thoughts, maybe it's, I don't know what that thing is, but, but you know, and God knows. And so as we end this morning, I just want to take a second and, and just ask God to scan our hearts, pinpoint that thing, and then we just give it to him. Say, Jesus, it's, it's not worth it. I, I give it to you. I surrender it to you. So let's pray this morning. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your blood. We, we sang about it. We partook in it this morning. Your body, your blood that was broken for us. We pray, Jesus, right now for that atoning power to wash away, Lord, not only our sins, but our assumptions and expectations, Lord, of what we thought that didn't get met or that we assumed would happen. And maybe this morning we're here and, and we say, Lord, I, I, I don't know why I'm here. And I, I don't know why things are not working out the way. Or I feel like, God, you've changed my plan so many times and I'm just living confused. And I want to know for once that I'm in your will. And, and God is telling you, if you're close to me and you're listening to my heart, then you're right in the place that you need to be. There's no accident. It's not an accident that you're here this morning. So, Jesus, would you evaluate our hearts Would you remove any of the things that are hindering us? Lord, any of the things that are keeping us from living in fulfillment to you. We want to lose ourselves completely and wholeheartedly, Lord, in you. Let our identity be found in you. Not in the things that we're doing. All those those things give us hope and they, they give us purpose. But Jesus, you've created us for purpose. Our purpose is in you, God. We want to do that this morning. Would you remove any of those negative and just toxic thoughts that Satan has put into our heads that we've believed for so long? That we're not valuable, that we're not worth anything, that we can't tell others about Jesus. Lord, I pray today even that you give us an opportunity or just to share with someone, to invite someone to church. And I pray, Jesus, that you would help us, Lord, to make you the center of our heart in everything we do and everything we say. In Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. Wow. Thank you, Kenan and Amanda and Carter. Thank you. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And I love good news, don't you? Good news of Jesus Christ. It's tough to lose ourselves. Uh, Boy, do we find so much more. We're going to take up an offering this morning for uh, this family. And as they go um, here, hopefully soon, soon soon-ish, back to Greece. And so uh, go ahead and prepare an offering uh, we're going to have our ushers come in just a moment and uh, you can still give the same way you can give online if you're watching online you can text the word friendship to 76959 and then under the uh, there's a drop down box there that says missionaries you can click on that or you can write in missionary or, or Briggs or Greece and we will make sure that it gets to the right place these are people that we have uh, supported for a while on a monthly basis um, and so thankful to be able to hear stories of salvations and, and, and stories of connecting with the church there and people there. And that's what we want, right? That's what we want. And so uh, so, so thankful. <laughs> uh, 
I had, I had a, an old missionary tell me once, God is still in the business. He just, in the business. He's still in the business of bringing people to him. And so I'm thankful for people who go across the world and then for us here to go across the street. Tell someone about Jesus. Tell someone in Richmond and Rosenberg and Fulcher and Sugarland and Katy and wherever we're at. Um, and so thank you. Thank you guys for coming. It's good to hang out with you here today. If your ushers would, would come this morning, uh, everything that is given in this offering right here is going to go to the missionaries. Everything in this offering goes straight to them. Um, thank you so much for your giving, for your support, for your prayer support. Please go and, like you said, say hi to them and meet them and grab a, a, a prayer card. We've got a prayer card. We've got a little uh, Rolodex. What is that? We put all of the on the... We have missionary cards and we pray. And... Um, and theirs is, is, is one that we pray for all the time. So go and get a prayer card and pray for them. Thank you so much for, their, for your support for them. I know they appreciate it. Um, let's give to the Lord this morning. Lord, we thank you for this day once again. We thank you for this family that has answered the call to go where you would have them to go. And we thank you for that, Lord. Pray blessings on their family, blessings on their ministry in Greece. Pray that you would prepare the hearts of those people that they're going to come in contact with over the next several years, um, that you would soften their heart as they present the gospel to them. Um, pray that you would be with us as we, as we give generously uh, to these missionaries. We love you and we praise you. Accept, take, take this offering. Bless it to your kingdom, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.